0: but here it is. It says here, Now it happened on a certain day that he, that's being Jesus, he got into a boat. He got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. When it says, And they launched out, it's actually Jesus and his disciples. They launched out. The ESV uh, translation says it this way, And they set out. It's the same thing. Launch out, set out. Uh, I like the way the ESV says, and they set out, because I want you to keep in mind as we read verse 22, that this was not some idea that the disciples came up with. I want you to look at verse 22. This is actually Jesus' call. Jesus is the one that tells the disciples, and he says, hey, let's go to the other side. The next part of the verse says, they set out. They they launched out. They set out. All right, let's go to the other side. But as soon as we read verse 22, we see clearly that it was all Jesus' idea. It was all His idea. It was His making. It was His doing. And He called the shot on this one. And I'm guessing that because it was Christ, because it was Him, the disciples were not hesitant. They they weren't like, well... I don't know about this one, you know, does Jesus really know what he's doing, guys? Uh, and I'm, sh- I'm sure they, they weren't discussing that with one another. Instead, their attitudes were just, sure, let's go. They, they just set out, they launched out to do it. None of them was telling the other, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think he knows what he's doing on this one. They were all pretty set their minds to it and said, hey, if Jesus said it, let's do it. I, I like that attitude, first off. I like that attitude because if only I were like that in every step of my life, huh? Like, like, for example, Jesus just says, hey, do this. And we're like, I said to do it. Sure, let's go for it. How, how many of us wish we could be like that in every little thing that Christ asks us to be obedient about? Yeah, All right, cool. Sure, I'll do it. But don't get me twisted, because what you're about to see is the disciples' humanity as well. Even though they said, sure, let's do it, watch this. Sometimes you answering the call, <laughs> sometimes you saying the word yes, it's kind of like marriage, right? Sometimes you're saying, I do. After that, I do. And after that, yes, Jesus, I will. Watch this. All right. Let's see if you really meant it. Let's see if you... Re- watch this. I see that your words say you have faith in me. But let me see if your life has faith in me. You see, because I could say I do to my wife and my words have faith in her. But let's see if I live my marriage in faith. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So so here's Jesus, let's launch to the other side. And they're like, yes, I do. I'm committed, let's do it. Watch. But sometimes getting to where Christ has you in the walk of obedience, oh, man, is it fun. <laughs> oh, man, watch this. He wants to see that your life is more about your actions than it is just about your words. Guys, get ready for this message. Just, just, just sit down and get ready for it because I know it's going to bless your life. I know it. They were pretty sure in Christ's order, so they just went. And I'm asking you guys, well, how does this work for you? How does this work in us and with us? But how does it work in us, especially after what happens next? Are you guys ready? Verse 23. So, 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 guys, watch, watch. Jesus like, hey, let's go to the other side. Everyone says what? Yeah, yeah I'll do. I'll do it. Let's do it. Right. The next verse. Got him where I want him. Ready? But as they sailed. (laughs) Uh oh. You guys heard me. How many Sundays have you guys heard me say? But whenever there's a but, get ready for what's going to happen next. But as they sailed, Jesus, what? Yeah. He fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were all, it was all filling with water. And that's the boat was filling with water. And they were in jeopardy. One translation says, and they were in great danger. Oh, I love it. I was like, that's, that's the title of the message, right? The great danger. So, so here are the disciples. They're on the boat. Water begins to fill up the boat. As water begins to fill up the boat, there's a mighty, mighty windstorm And here's wind here's water here's waves and here is a boat that fits about 15 people the group that went to Jerusalem got to see one of these boats and it's just rocking and 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 you could almost imagine right what the disciples are saying in their minds and what's happening amongst them right I would like to see what they're saying to each other for some reason in this passage Luke does not give details In what they were saying, which I think was very smart of Luke, because I'm sure they weren't saying the happiest things. But Jesus falls asleep, water begins to fill the boat, they're now in great danger. Look at verse 24. So they come to him and they begin to wake Jesus up and they say, Master, Master, we are, and what do they say next, church? AKA, we are, yeah, we're perishing. We are, the da- Jesus, Master, Master, wake up, we're dying here. And then it says in verse 24 that he arose, I like that, right, he arose, because it's funny because next week we're going to talk about that, he arose, and what does he, when he arose, he rebukes death, right? Well, here he's, what, he arose and he rebukes their death, the wind. I oh, mean, I should have preached this one for next week, but, but I want you to think about that. He, he, he rises and the devil like, uh-oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. From his tomb, he resurrects and all of hell is shaking. And Jesus is like, thought you won. I rebuke death. And here he is waking up from his sleep and he rebukes the wind and the raging of the water, which was the disciples' death. It, it's, 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 an also, it's an amazing picture of what's going to happen in the cross. And it says in the winds and the waters, they ceased. And then there was a what? And then there was a what? Calm. Man, we could really preach on this stuff. Because we know that after Jesus rose and he entered our lives and rebukes death, then there's a what? Ah, oh, there's a calm. And then this, doesn't, this is like an oxymoron, but then there's, what's amazing about Christ is that then there's a calm in the midst of a storm. You've ever been through one of those? And then you're like, how does that happen? Isn't your boat supposed to be rocked? Aren't you supposed to be afraid? Aren't you supposed to be going crazy in the middle of a storm? And then the Christian person says, actually, I don't know what it is, but there's like a calm in the midst of the storm. And then the whole answer to the reason why there's a calm in the midst of the storm is because Jesus Christ rose and rebuked death. I I mean, but whatever, that's not even my message. but, But this is interesting. It's interesting. I want everyone's eyes on verse 25. What does he say next? He looks at... Guys, guys, let's just stop. He wakes up. He's like... You can't. <sighs> he's yawning. The boat shaking. He's taking sleep out of his eyes. Wind, stop. Rain, stop. Waves, cease. Boat, calm, right? Everything's... <sighs> and then in, <laughs> he just stares at the disciples and he says what? Uh, why are you afraid? Where is your, your faith? And, and then all of a sudden, now it's doing great. But now when you woke me up, it wasn't doing so good. Where's your faith? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I didn't want to call it, where's your faith? I didn't want to call it any of that. I wanted to call it buckets and cushions for a reason. But he looks at his disciples and he says, where is your faith? And it says, and they were afraid, but not only were they afraid, they were marveled. They were in awe. And they began to say to one another, who can this be? They still didn't even catch it at this moment. For he commands even the winds. Guys, remember what I'm, what I'm reading right here because I'm going I'm to relate to this later on. He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. How amazing is this story? How amazing is this story? L- let's get into the story and... And as we get into the story, let's jump into some more things that are going to relate to it. Here are the disciples, and what do they do in the midst of a time in their life when they needed him the most? Well, I think they did the right thing. And what is the right thing? They turned to Jesus. How many of you would agree which that's the right thing when you're in the middle of a storm? Turn to Jesus. How many of you would say yeah? I would say yes. So they turn to Jesus, the right thing to do, but they turn to him. And what is the first thing that we see as they turn to Jesus? They're filled with what? They're filled with fear. As a matter of fact, it's so much fear that they're panicking. You want to know how I know they're panicking? Because Jesus is in a deep sleep and they're like, wake up, wake up. They didn't even say there's water coming into the boat. They didn't say that. They skipped that. There's very, very, very boisterous winds. They skipped that. What did they say? We're dying. Guys, forgive me. The clip came off, so like, I'm just like, going to be playing with this all day. I don't have a twitch. I'm just fixing the mic. But what they say is, we're dying. They skip everything that's happening. All I know is we're dying. Hey, real quick. Were they actually dying yet? Were they under the water yet? Was the boat collapsing yet? No. But in their mind, they were dying. They they, they were filled with so much fear that their fear let them see things that weren't even there. How many of you... Man, because I'm preaching to myself now. How many of you have been so bombarded with fear that you begin to believe and see things that God looks at you and says, that's not even true. How many of you have ever been there? And And then you're like, how are you... How did you put that into your mind, and you're like, "Oh no." And, and the answer is, you're not being drowned by waters or drowned by the winds. you're actually being drowned by fears, and when fear has a hold of you, faith cannot manifest. Because the opposite of faith is fear. I know in my life, when I lack faith is because I am saturated in what I am. And I can't walk in faith because there is a fear that is engulfed around me. But I've recognized that when faith is is engulfed, when faith is the one that's surrounding me and drenching me, then what is not found? Fear. So he looks at them, and the question that he tells them is not this. Guys, follow me. He doesn't say, wow, what a storm that was. Whoa, that that was close. If I would have been on the ball, I would have said that. Whoa, that was close. Instead, he goes to the issue of the matter. And the issue of the matter is what? Where is your faith? And they're like, seriously? Stop. You're going to talk to us about faith now? This is not a good time to talk about us about Have you ever had a conversation with someone, they want to talk to you about Jesus, and then you're like... Now, it's not a good time to talk about Jesus. How many of you been, have been there? Right. Wrong attitude to have. It's always a good time to talk about Jesus. Right? But, but when our hearts are not right, like theirs, where's your faith? It's not time to talk about faith. And Jesus is like, yeah, it is. It's always time. It's amazing. Because if you really look at this text properly, can, can we look at the text properly? Let's look at this text. What they're really saying here makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense. I promise you this. Let's read what they're saying here. Master, master, we are what? Perishing. We are drowning. We are dying. How many of us have read this passage and it has never touched us in in this sense? It has never really convicted us. It has not popped out the page and, and smacked us. And at least for me, it hasn't because I can relate to this. And because I could relate to it so much, it almost seems, listen to what I'm about to tell you, normal. It seems normal. Oh, yeah, that's the right attitude to have, disciples. And when you read this in the spiritual, in God's eyes, it actually makes absolutely no sense. What do I mean by this? What do I mean? Here are the disciples on a boat. And as they are in this boat, what are they also in? I'm going to leave that open. Go ahead, tell me. What are, we're a we're family, right? We're all family? Give me a second. What are they also in? They're in the boat. Someone said something. A lake, okay. Big body of water. What else? <laughs> They're in the boat, but what else are they in the presence in? Say that. They're also in the presence of Jesus. And in the midst of being in the presence of Christ, watch how this passage makes no sense. Jesus, Jesus, Master, Master. Here they are in the very presence of Christ himself and their words are, Wake up! We're dying. We're going to drown. And Jesus is sleeping in a way in which Mark's gospel, because we don't have time to turn to Mark, but take my word for it, and later on go home and study it. Mark's gospel says, as they're freaking out because water is entering into the boat, Mark says that Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. Mark gives detail that Luke doesn't. And I read Mark's, and then I read Luke, and I went back to Mark, and I went back to Luke, and I said, the heck are you doing sleeping on a cushion when the boat is about to be sunken? Like, get up, and and gee, I want to do it, you know? I want to lay down. I want to do it. And uh, as everyone is going nuts in the boat, guys, guys, just, just flow with me for a moment. Just flow with me, like, like, think about this. Ever been on a boat? Ever been on rocky waters? You've ever almost sunk on a boat? Hey, anybody have a boat out here and been on the boat? The water's a dangerous place to be at, isn't it, when it's bad? <laughs> Listen to me. I, I, I'm scared of heights, and I'll never jump out of a plane, but mark my words. If I have two options, you're going to go into the craziest of waters in a boat, especially a boat that only holds 15, or you want to jump out of a plane. Like, jump off the plane! That's how much respect you have for that big blue. All right? Water's coming in. Disciples are going nuts. Again, Luke doesn't say the things that they're really saying because we know they're really saying some other words in there, right? And what is Jesus doing? Sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) Guys, the boat is rocking. I'm wondering if Jesus is getting wet. And he's on a cushion. I, I love that. I love that Mark says, yeah, he wasn't just on wood or on the deck of the boat. He wasn't in the basement of the boat. He was sleeping on a cushion. L- let me tell you what. Oh, man, I want to get ahead of it. But I want you to really grasp what, what's happening here. You see, when the disciples were, when the disciples were at their most uncomfortable state, Jesus was at his most comfortable. L- let me tell you why. Because, because, what ails you and what worries you and what drowns you and what, what is a problem to you is just so easy for Jesus that, that while you're on the boat with your bucket trying to get the... I will bless this family with a new bucket. <laughs> Love you guys. And um, as we are, <laughs> as we are throwing, throwing the water out of the boat, Oh, Jesus, wake up! we're handling our buckets going crazy waving them around peter here thomas here john is scooping water out jesus is on the cushion (laughs) can can you imagine that can can you i don't know how he was on the cushion like i don't know if he sleeps like this I don't know if he cuddles, the, like, you know, I like to do this, I don't know if he cuddles it, I don't know how he does it, but I know he was doing it, he was on a cushion, and they were on their buckets, he was on, on his cushion, and they were on their buckets, and, and here are the disciples uncomfortable, their point of view is moments of death, and then here is, Here is Jesus, right? Disciples, uncomfortable moments of death. And and here's Jesus. He's just comfortable. And his point of view is, "Ah, just the time of much needed rest. I'm good. And I read this story. It doesn't make sense. It's crazy. But I love this. I love this because when we are uncomfortable, Jesus is doing just fine. Come on, someone. That's an Amen. Because when we're uncomfortable, Christ is looking at us on his throne and he says, I'm just about right where I need to be and you're going to be okay too. I'm comfortable right where you're at too. And we look at Christ and say, how? Because the boat is sinking. The winds are strong. The waves are crashing. How is it that I am okay as well? See, In the boat, in the trial, listen to this, in life's most crucial moments, that's when you see what people are made of. Some are are hurrying, and they're trying to solve the problem. (laughs) Right? Some are hurrying, waving their buckets around, trying to solve the problem. Trying to dump all the waters that is bringing... This fear, and and in their place, this fear of drowning. And they're screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. Lord, help us, Lord. Lord, don't you see? How many of you have been there? Lord, don't you see? Come on. Come on, I know you have. Don't lie to me. How many of you have said, Lord, can't you see what's happening here? All right. And you're trying to solve it with your bucket. But then there's others, and they don't carry buckets around. They carry cushions. Those are interesting people. Weird, interesting, filled with faith. You know, filled with faith people are weird like that. They're weird people. And they're just walking around with their cushions. And everyone's walking around with buckets. And like if they're going to a sleepover... And you have your construction clothes on. And they have their pajamas on. Weird. So you have one that's hurrying, trying to solve everything with buckets. But then, like Jesus, there are those sleeping, kind of, whatever, resting, whatever you want to call them. But don't get caught up in that. You got those that are on a cushion. While in the boat, as some feel, listen to this, that they are close to death. Then there are those that are at peace, knowing that they're exactly where they need to be. Come on, man. Come on. So instead of taking out a bucket for some hope of survival, instead of taking out a bucket, you have individuals, instead of hope for survival, and I preached on this a while back ago, they take out a cushion because they know where their answer and where their rest is in. It's not really in them moving the buckets, it's really in them trusting in Christ. You guys with me? So they take out the cushion. When everyone else <laughs> has taken out the bucket. And the people with the buckets are looking at us like, what the heck is that guy doing on the cushion? And the people with faith are looking at them like, what the heck are those guys doing with the buckets? Don't they know that Christ has already done everything that they're trying to do? And they will say, well, don't they see that they have a lot to do? <laughs> and they're like, don't they see that we have nothing more to do? The world and Christians have two different worldviews, amen? Man, does this story make so much sense to me? It makes so much sense to my life. So I ask this question with all love Are you a bucket person or a cushion person? Whatever that makes, whatever sense that makes to you. But are you a bucket or a cushion person? We need to learn, and at least me, I'm going to speak for myself because I'm not going to point anyone out. I need to learn how to embrace, embrace the cushion, embrace the cushion when what seems normal is to work the buckets. There's other preachings that we could work the buckets. We heard an amazing one in the retreat, work the water, I think. But this is about faith now. Don't, don't get me confused. But I need to learn how to embrace the cushion when everyone else is working the buckets are you guys with me you see here we are I hope this makes sense we can be in the very presence of the Lord and still think we are dying they're in the boat they're in the boat right Jesus is on this pretend he's here laying down he's on the cushion master wake up we're dying okay? They're in the boat, but as they're in the boat, we answered it. They're in the very presence of the Lord, and yet they still think they're dying. How many of us say we're in the presence of the Lord, but there are moments in our lives that we find ourselves just dying? Come on, I know I'm not just looking at a mirror and speaking to myself. I know that I'm not just the only one. And we're dying. And we're yelling what? Lord, save us! (laughs) This is awesome, right? Save us! Save me! Look what's happening! Right? And his reply back is what Mark says. And Mark's gospel says it this way. Hey, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And then he says, Have you still... No peace? Do you still have no peace? Where's your faith? (laughs) Not here, not right now. He's like, are you serious? You haven't learned? How many more thousands do I have to feed? How many more waters do I have to walk on? How many more souls do I have to save? How many more hearts and people do I have to heal for you to actually start believing in me? Guys, the great danger is to lose faith. I want you to write this down. The great danger is to lose faith, but here it is. The great danger, my goodness, it's to lose faith in the presence of God. You see, Jesus looks at our issues different than we do. You guys remember when Lazarus died? How many of you remember when Jesus' good friend Lazarus died? About three of you. I don't have time to read the story, But if you go to John chapter 11 today, be familiar with the story. But his friend died. Just take that. He had two sisters. A little crazy. But there were two sisters nonetheless. And when his friend Lazarus dies, everyone is freaked out. Right? Isn't that the normal thing to do? When someone dies, you just freak out. You're worried. You're hurt. You're broken. You're complaining. Everything's happening to you. If you've ever had someone close to you pass, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So everyone is freaked out. And Lazarus' sister steps into the scene. Just catch me for a moment. And as she steps into the scene, she begins to blame Jesus. Did you guys ever read that story? What does she begin to tell Jesus? If you would have just been here earlier, my brother would be what? He still would be alive. And Jesus looking at her, really? Like, I'm in your presence and that's what you're telling me? And, and if that's not enough, his disciples would begin to tell him, Jesus, you want... You want to go back to where Lazarus' hometown is? I don't think that's a good idea because the last time we were at that town, they tried to kill you, Jesus. Don't go back there. We're not going with you. You're on your own. You know they're all talk. They're going to go with him. But, but we're, not a good idea. We're not going to go back to that town. Last time, they almost killed us all. So, so really, when you read John chapter 11 and you see the death of Lazarus, guys, guys, everyone, they're all over the place and they're all trying to figure it out. They're all trying to wave their buckets around. (laughs) Lazarus is like, if you would have just been here earlier, he would be alive. The disciples are like, let's not go because you're going to die. And everyone is throwing their buckets, trying to figure it all out for themselves. You guys want to take a guess what Jesus says? He takes out his cushion. I'm not lying, he does. He does. While everyone's waving their buckets, what does Jesus tell everyone? He tells tells her, he tells the disciples, he tells everyone that's freaking out about Lazarus' death. He takes out his cushion, and what does he say next? Ready? What, what? I'm glad this happened. Guys, the worst thing that you could ever tell someone whose family member just died is, I'm so glad this happened. Not good counsel. (laughs) My brother died, it's your fault. (laughs) I'm so happy that just happened. Can you imagine that? You're glad this happened? He's like, yeah. But he doesn't end there. As he takes out his cushion, he actually says it like this. I'm glad. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. And I underlined this in my notes. That you may believe. So, nevertheless, let's go see Lazarus. Jesus is glad so that people can believe. He's glad because he's gonna work the faith of people's lives. People's boats are sinking right now. Lazarus is dead, water has got in, winds are crashing, everyone's taking out their buckets worrying, and Jesus takes out a cushion, he's like, hey. This is the best place where we could be at. And, and Jesus' and his sisters, Mary and Martha, like, best place we could be at. He's in a tomb already. He's been there for four days. He smells already. Not a good place to be at. He's like, just where I want you. It's... Let me tell you why. Jesus looks at our issues different than we do. Come on, someone, because you have some issues. How many of you could finally say, finally, I could openly say I have some issues. Come on, say just to feel better for yourself. I have some issues. A little bit louder, I have some issues. The ones that didn't want to say it, man, you know, you got them. You're just embarrassed to say it out loud. You have issues because I know you do, and I have some major issues too. We're people with issues, man. And here's an issue going on, and Jesus like, I love it. I love exactly where you're at in your issue. Because I look at it different than you. Let's go back, let's take a few trips back to the boat. Let's leave Lazarus' tomb for a little while. The Gospel of Matthew recounts this day and with some other details that Luke leaves out. It says that Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, "Why are you afraid?" But then he says this: "O oh, you of little faith." How many of you have ever read that Gospel translation? He, Matthew says, "O oh, you of little faith." Stop. Did he say, "Of oh, you of no faith"? "O oh, you of what?" Little faith. Let me explain to you what that phrase means it's a whole different meaning of faith he, and here it is ready he's not saying that they have no faith he's saying they have little faith and that phrase is pointing out that Jesus is actually pointing out that their faith is actually ineffective that, that their faith is defective it's, it's, it's a, a deficient faith it's not working pr- yes you have faith in me but your faith is not properly working in me that's why he says, oh, you have little faith. He doesn't say of no faith. Watch this, watch this. How many of you in here have faith that Jesus Christ is real? If you're here this morning, it's probably because you all have faith that Jesus Christ is real, right? Right. But as you just admitted that you have faith, how many of you in life's issues struggle with manifesting and exercising that faith in you? Oh, you of little faith. You have faith, but at times when it's exercised and manifested, it's that of what? Little faith, meaning, and what he means in the exact wordage is, you of, and there he is, defective, deficient faith. And many of us could relate to that. It gets close to saying, yes, we believe in him. But have a faith that he could change my life or do this? I don't think so. Imagine this for a moment. Lord, we're dying. And what is the Lord's reply? How? I'm right here. (laughs) Lord, I'm perishing. How? I'm right here. Lord, I'm sinking. How? I'm rising up. Oh, man, you see. How are you sinking when I'm lifting up? How are you dying when I'm making alive? How are you perishing when I'm resurrecting? How can you confess such negativity when I'm standing to do the exact opposite before your presence? Come on. And the great danger is to not have faith in his presence. How can you die if I'm alive right here before you? How can you experience death when I am alive in you and I am making you alive? Have you lost your faith in the very presence of me, in the very presence of God? Have you lost your faith in my presence? Wow. It's a powerful statement. In Luke 23, in the message, it says, Then he says to them, Then he said, Jesus, Uh, um, Luke 23, I forgot to mention it's Calvary. Jesus is in the middle of Calvary, and there's one man to the right, one man to the left. Guys, don't miss this. One of the guys looks at Jesus and he says, Remember me when you enter your kingdom. What does Jesus say next? Don't worry. I what? I will today, today you will what? Did you read that correctly? Because what an encounter. This man is saying to Jesus, remember me as I'm getting ready to die here. And what is Jesus saying back to them? Oh no, don't worry about it, I will. Because you're talking about death in my presence, that, like that's normal or even possible. Today, you're not actually going to die. Today, you're actually going to live and you're going to walk into eternity with me. You don't die when you're in my presence. You live when you're in my presence. Where is your Oh, we're waving our buckets. Christ is like, take out the cushion. And and that's exactly what's going on here. Can you imagine the thoughts in this man's mind hanging on this cross? Wait a minute. I thought I was dying today. I I thought this was the end of my life. And then what does Jesus say? You were dying today until, until you had faith. Now you're living. Come here, church. You stop dying until you have faith because then you stop dying and you start living. want to start living we have faith you want to keep dying you lack faith and that's it the great danger will you live with a bucket the great danger will you live with a bucket or will you live with a cushion his presence is here his presence is with us and we are called to have faith And Jesus is in the boat, back to that boat. And and as he's on the boat, he's sleeping on a cushion, like Mark tells us. And as Jesus is sleeping on that cushion, it shows us one thing it indicates his lack of fear. I don't fear the water or the waves, I have control over those things. The disciples were helpless in the storm, but Jesus was not. Listen to me, listen to me real quick. You're helpless in your storm, but Jesus is not. Jesus is helpful. It's amazing. The disciples' fear of perishing is greater than their confidence in the presence of God, than the presence of Jesus. So what do you have fear of that is greater than your faith in? Whatever you fear more, you fear this thing more than in your faith in Christ. That thing's going to conquer you. That thing's going to be your God. That thing's going to control you. But the moment we take that little alligator mouth and we switch it from fear of whatever it is and we switch it to confidence in God that is greater in my life, man, you're going to be able to live greater to your full potential. But until we don't focus in our confidence in Christ, we'll always be defeated by the fear in our life. Man. As I get ready to end, in Hebrews 4, uh, Pastor Tom in the retreat, He said something that till today, I wrote it in the back of my Bible, rocked me. And I'm going to read Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read this one from the message, from Eugene Peterson's translation. I want you to catch this because you've heard it so many times here at New Life. He says, now that we know that what we have, which is Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. Come on. How many of you can say, I don't have a God who is out of touch with my reality? He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all. Everything he's experienced but sin. So let's walk right up to him. Let's walk up to his throne and get what he is so ready to give, grace. Take the mercy, accept his help. When I read Hebrews 4, it's the whole illustration of we come boldly before the throne of grace. You see, I told you just a second ago that the antidote to fear is faith. The way you kill fear is faith and the story of the disciples in the water as I get ready to end, it reminds me of the story of none other than Jonah. You guys remember Jonah's story? Here's Jonah. He's God's mouthpiece. And God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, absolutely not. I will never go to Nineveh. He says, you go to Nineveh. He says, I'm not. Take me somewhere else, somewhere where the people are nicer. I'm not going to the ghettos of Nineveh. I heard they kill people there. I heard they chop off people's heads there. I heard that anyone that goes in the name of God gets executed there. Not a good place. Nineveh is not where I want to take my family and retire. Nineveh is not where I want to plant a church. Let's go to the Hamptons, huh? Not Nineveh. And God's like, go to Nineveh. I'm not. So he takes a boat and he heads out opposite of Nineveh and God's like really this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna bring a problem you know sometimes issues come sometimes storms come they build up our faith and sometimes without those storms without those waves without those winds it'll be impossible for God to realign us back to our purpose because you and I are so capable of getting off track and God brings issues in our lives to put us back in track how many of you would say amen that's true the greatest thing that ever happened to the disciples on this day was that they were dying. Because the greatest thing that happened was they experienced life in Jesus. So here's Jonah. And God's like, watch this. And the wind and the waves come just like they did here and the boat begins to sink. So you know what the people start to do? They start to throw their food and all their luggage out of the water because it's too heavy. Let's save ourselves. But then they recognize that someone's sleeping in the bottom and his name is Jonah. So they wake him up. Get up! Who are you? Where do you come from? You've cursed us. And he says, I know exactly what's happening here. God's called me to go to Nineveh and I'm running. I'm not being obedient, and I'm running from his call. And since I'm running away, he brought this wind. He brought these waters. He says, do me a favor. Throw me off the boat. And I promise you that as you throw me off this boat, you're going to live. And they're like, no, no, we can't do that. They're actually nice guys. And they started to throw more stuff out of the boat. When they saw that it was becoming worse, they said, all right, we're going to do what you said. We're going to throw you off the boat. So they, they grab him and they launch him off the boat scripture says that as soon as they launched Jonah from the boat there was a calm you see the problem with this story was not the wind was not the wave there's a big fish coming it's not even the big fish the problem was the lack of faith that was inside Jonah's heart and God was going to deal with that he had fear of Nineveh just like the disciples had fear of drowning he was trying to work things out I'm going to this place he was taking out his bucket and God's like no you're not you're going to go exactly where I call you to go it's like the children of Israel you're going to go to Canaan you're going to Israel so shut up no we're not 40 years but where'd they end up? exactly where God wanted them maybe not the, that generation but the next one did because that's exactly where God wanted them so you know what happens a big old fish I believe it's a whale he swallows him And as he swallows Jonah, Jonah gets his life right. Just like the disciples get their life right. Whoa, where's my faith? It's here now. Jonah's like, where's my faith? Can you imagine the smell inside the fish's stomach? Can you imagine the guck, the slime? I can only imagine. How many of you have ever seen that video that there's a big whale and he's out on the shore and it pops. There's a guy standing right in front of it. And it blows up I don't know if he touches it And it goes poof And all of its insides blow You have never seen it? I should have shown it today And the guy that was in front of it Runs because he almost gets blasted All that stuff inside that whale Can you imagine Jonah inside of all that stuff? That's the first thing I thought of When I saw the video Poor Jonah But inside his biggest problem I'm going to read this quick He begins to pray Look at his faith now I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. He answered me. Out of the belly of hell I cried and you heard my voice. He found that Jesus is always there. God is always there. Sorry. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The floods surrounded me and your billows and your waves passed over me. Obviously, he's in a whale, in a belly's fish. And then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. But yet I will look again towards your holy temple. God, I have faith. God, I'm changed. I'm going to look towards your presence. The waters surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth. With its bars closed behind me forever. But yet you have brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you. Into your holy temple. And those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I Jonah. Will sacrifice to you God. With the voice of thanksgiving. Guys he's in the fish's belly as he's praying this better be praying this. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you want to know what God is doing as Jonah is having this revelation in a belly of a fish? He's in his throne doing what? Finally, his faith is back. His heart is back. Jonah, you're back. You know what God does? Verse 10, chapter 2. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah into dry land. I love that. How did the Lord speak to the fish? Did he go down to the water and say, Hey, fish, you just carried him? I'm your God and your creator. Spit out the man that's in your belly. How do you do that? How did he calm the wind and the waves and the rain? How did he do that? How did he tell death? Death, from this line on, you can't cross. You no longer have a hold on my people. You no longer have a sting. Death, wind, waves, rain, fish. He speaks to everything. I love this. I love that Jesus speaks for our behalf. I love that Jesus speaks to the winds and to the waves and to big fish. He even speaks to death. It reminds me of the joy of what Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And it is the man, Christ Jesus our Lord. I love what Paul says in Romans 8.34. It says that Jesus is pleading for us. He speaks on our behalf. And here we are. And maybe you're carrying a bucket around. And we're worried about everything and we're lacking faith. And Jesus is in our presence and we are in His presence. And we're right there with Christ. And as we carry our buckets around, Jesus is looking at us and He's speaking. And He's speaking for our behalf. And he's speaking to our problems. And the reason why he's speaking to them is because he wants to build up a faith in us. He wants us to not lose faith, not just in him, but not lose faith in his presence. So today, as I end, are you carrying buckets around, trying to do everything possible with what Christ has already done drop the buckets pick up the cushions because Jesus is comfortable Jesus is right. and Jesus is perfect just where he's at and believe it or not I know this does not sound it makes any sense to some of you trust me it makes no sense to me at times but I want you to believe this in faith today watch this watch this when no makes sense in your life everything is making sense to the one who's laying his head on the cushion he's working it all out and he's saying all of this is perfectly just fine for me when you are uncomfortable he's saying I am at the best place where I could be where you are so worried he's like there's not a worry in the world in my heart Jesus is perfectly fine where you are perfectly destroyed. And all he's doing is I'm creating in you a monster a faith like you've never seen. Don't lose faith in my presence. Why not? Because who else speaks to the fish? Because who else speaks to the wind? Who else speaks to the waves? Who else speaks to the waters? You're in a fish? Go to the one who speaks to it. You're in a boat? Go to the one who speaks to it. It's crashing into it. His name is Jesus. Romans and 1 Timothy says, He pleads for us. He's speaking on our behalf. While we're working the buckets, he's laying on his cushion saying, I've already took care of this. The wind's not going to do nothing. The fish is going to throw you out. You're going to be just. You're going to be just. You want to know why you're going to be just fine? Because Jesus is like, I'm perfectly just what? Fine. And if you're in my presence, we are perfectly just. You stand with me today? Lord. We're perfectly just fine. Lazarus is dead. Jonah's being swallowed by a fish. The disciples are dying. <laughs> but we're fine. We're fine boats are sinking people are being swallowed some are drowning some are dying but we're fine we're fine we're exactly exactly where you want us to be so here it is Lord in this group that's here today your church let them have faith not just faith in your person not just faith in their faith, like, oh yeah, I believe in God. But Lord, let us have faith in your presence. That if you are really with us, who can come? What can come against us? That if our Christ lives in us, how can we, oh man, experience death? So Lord, today, everyone that's here, as they surrender their hearts to you, let them pick up the cushions. And let them drop their buckets. And though they're uncomfortable, let them find their rest in you. I thank you for this message. I thank you for the great danger, the reminder of how we could lose our faith in you and in your presence. May we never, may it be exercised, may it be stronger than it has ever been with every eye closed many of you here have already accepted Jesus and I I bet that everyone here would say my God this message man it was so for me I've been worrying I've been stressed I've been aching I've been broken I've been drowning I've been swallowed I've been under the waters how did you know that I needed to pick up the cushion and let go of the buckets and I'm gonna be like I don't know it was God 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 knew so, really, the altar's open. Your heart is open. Just, just right where you're at, you just surrender it to God. But with every eye closed, as, as we are in the presence of God, if you're here today and you know that you need this Jesus, it's an altar call for two things, and, and, and then we'll dismiss everyone. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come up here right now and say, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior.